Carrefour is a European retailer operating in more than 40 countries with the ambition of becoming the leader of food transition for all. We are building the data supermarket, so it's kind of a supermarket, so you don't buy product in, in, in this supermarket, you have data. The idea is to, to democratize the data access to any kind of employee because we are convinced that bringing data to any people who need it is, uh, is game-changing and will help us be more efficient. Always keep connected to how the technology is evolving, so read books, attend conferences, uh, it's very important to stay connected because, yeah, it's, uh, it's evolving uh, very fast. This is Siana TV, my name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Olivier Gibert, who's the global CTO at Carrefour. A very warm welcome, Olivier. Thank you, Henrik. Olivier, you have a degree in engineering from INSA at Lyon. Yeah. And you start your career in IT consulting in companies such as Logica, CGI, Sopra. And in 2014, you joined Carrefour as lead architect. And today you are here, the global chief technology officer. So, Thank you for welcoming us in your beautiful Massey headquarters here, uh, close to Paris. So Olivier, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who are you really? What's your background? And how did you arrive in this position? Yes, sure. Well, uh, I'm 51. I'm the father of two daughters. Uh, I started uh, it's in technology quite a long time ago. I think I was 13. It was in 1985 when I got my first computer. Mm -hmm. And I started coding and enjoying that. So yeah, it, it started. I think the passion started at that moment. And some years later, I graduated from an engineering school, and and then I've been working in tech for almost 27 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always been a passion, and it's still a passion for me. Okay, and so we are here at Carrefour headquarters. Of course, Carrefour is a well-known brand, a big, big company. But tell us a little bit more. What is it that Carrefour really, really does? And what is it that, that it does really, really well? Yeah, so Carrefour is a, a European retailer operating in more than 40 countries wow. uh, with the ambition of becoming the leader of food transition for all. Mm -hmm. uh, and so my job within Carrefour is to deploy tech and data across all these geographies mm -hmm. to enable our strategy and to become a digital retail company. Okay, so 40 countries, so that means a huge uh, base of people that work here, a huge number of stores. Can you give some numbers there? Yeah, in terms, I think in terms of employees, uh, we are more than 337,000 employees. So yeah, and the number of stores, uh, yeah, it's several thousand, uh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> a, a huge number. And we have both direct, uh, let's say, countries where we operate directly, eight yep. countries, mainly Europe and Latin America. Mm -hmm. And also we are working with international partners in other geographies, which are, let's say, uh, uh, bringing the activity of Carrefour through, uh, through our brand. More than 330,000 people. Yeah. That's really amazing. Eh? So. I mean, making sure that an organization like Carrefour is future-proof is very, very important. And so for that, an organization, a business needs to reinvent itself, needs to re-architect itself on a regular basis. So that's what I want to uh, talk about. How are you re-architecting the business, the support uh, structure of the business, the platforms that, uh, that support that, and then the infrastructure below that. So let's first start from the business uh, angle. 
Where do you see today the major challenges that Carrefour and maybe the retail sector in general is, uh, is, is facing? What is it that's really going on in this business today? I would, I would give three important points. The first one uh, is time to market. We need to deliver solutions very fast as the customer needs are changing permanently. So we need to be able to, to adapt to their needs, to build new solutions and to deliver them so that it's, it's improving their customer experience. So that's the first point. Time to market is, is probably the most important one. The second one is personalization. So we have, we've seen this switch from, let's say, a global approach with limited personalization to, to uh, some expectation where customer wants to have products, recommendation, let's say interaction with us, which is tailored to its needs and how is, what is lifestyle, what is he buying, what, what, what is not buying, etc. So th that's the second point. And finally, uh, I think it's efficiency. Running a retail business is very complex. You have to operate stores, you have to operate a supply chain, procurement, etc., pricing, promotion, e-commerce, etc., etc. So this makes a very large and very complex ecosystem. And so we need absolutely to have efficiency. And so that's the third point, which is key uh, to, to keep into account. Okay, so time to market, being flexible to change quickly enough. Yeah personalization, and then keeping costs under control, being yeah. efficient, because it's a small margin business, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what is the, so that's what the, the, the business is focusing on. What does that mean for, for digital and for IT? What's the kind of transformation that you're going through yeah. at the moment? So our let's say, tech strategy relies on five pillars. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have a, let's say, a, a common uh, baseline, which, which I will explain later. So the five pillars, the first one, we call it taken data at the service of performance. So this is related to what I was speaking before about efficiency. So we, we use and we leverage taken data to improve our internal efficiency and also to reduce our costs. So defining and bringing solution which enables us to, to, do it, to do things better, smarter, and with less money. Mm -hmm. The second pillar, we call it improve our, our commercial activity through tech, so meaning deploying solutions such as a recommendation algorithm, for instance, on our e-commerce uh, to improve customer experience, to have a better interaction either on e-commerce or in the stores. The third one, we call it prepare the future, meaning can be two, two things. First, innovation. So we, we always keep a, a very uh, close eye to any kind of innovation in terms of technology. We don't want to to miss any, any innovation. That doesn't mean that we, we are testing everything. We have a, a point of view on, on every topic and for some of them we go, we, we try, we test things. For some of them we decide, okay, it's probably not relevant for us and so we, we, keep, the, we keep it aside. For instance, on generative AI, we have been already investing quite a lot mm -hmm. on bringing a, a chatbot uh, on our Carrefour.fr website, mm -hmm. or also developing uh, some, uh, let's say, uh, features to to create marketing campaign using generative AI also. Mm -hmm. So these are two examples. So innovation and also behind prepare the future, there is also starting new businesses. Okay. For instance, retail media. So we, we started the retail media activity some years ago and we announced a partnership last year with a publicist 
and so with a dedicated company which is called Unlimitail to operate retail media at scale with Publicis and Carrefour jointly. Mm -hmm. So this is the third point, third pillar. Finally, we have, let's say, two, two common pillars which are needed to, let's say, to make this first three one operate. The fourth one, so it's modern and efficient tech. So to do this, we need tech foundation. So for instance, cloud. Okay, we need cloud is, is definitely a no-brainer now. We need to have cloud to to build solution on top of it. Yeah. And the last one, we call it um, change our ways of working. So meaning switch from, uh, let's say, the traditional way uh, IT could work with a business, okay, kind of, uh, okay, uh, customer and supplier relationship to something which is way, way more integrated with uh, different teams working closer together. Okay. So these are our, our, our five pillars. And on top of this, we have also the ambition to build global product because uh, what I didn't mention before, so in the eight countries where we operate directly, so not through franchisee, for years each country has been autonomous. Okay, so that means that currently, I would say roughly, we have eight landscapes, eight tech landscapes, which are significantly different. And so the idea now is to, to change the approach and to build global product because it doesn't have any sense to say, okay, I will build some, I don't know, pricing system in one country do the same in another one, etc., etc. So, so the target is also to leverage initiatives from countries or to start from scratch new initiatives such as uh, Smart POS, our post system. We've been launched, started, uh, we started working on that two years ago mm -hmm. and we plan to deploy it in all our geography. Okay, so five main focus points in, uh, in, in digital and then the underlying the building one global, uh, global system. Exactly. So, Let's maybe dive in each of these a little bit more in detail. Let's first talk about tech, tech and data. So could you give us an example? I mean, the amounts, the volumes of data that you're handling here must be immense. There must be billions of records yeah. that you're storing, that you can analyze and so on and so on. So there's a huge value in there. Can you tell us a little bit where you are in the roadmap of getting most out of your data? Yeah, so, so far we have let's say one data lake per country. So it's a kind of a, the, the, our history, but uh, so in each country we, we have, a, let's say, a data lake which is aggregating all the data from the, act, the local activity from each country. Mm -hmm. And all this is then pushed to our global data lake. So I think so far we have more than 10 billion transactions a year, so huge volumes. And so the idea is to leverage all these data to for any kind of usage, uh, but for instance, regarding machine learning and AI, we, we, this is, uh, let's say, one of the buzzwords of the moment. So we've built uh, a global team, which we call the analytics factory. Okay. And this team is in charge of building and training models to improve our um, ways of working in all our domains. So it can be, as I mentioned previously, it can be recommendation algorithm, which we put on the e-commerce website. It can be substitution algorithm for, in case of missing product, uh, for instance, during orders preparation. Uh, it can be pricing algorithm to be able to, to have a fine-grained pricing. We, also, we are also deploying what we call assortment builder, assortment suite, which is the idea of being able through machine learning to define fine-grained assortment per store, taking into account the activity of the store, let's say, uh, something, a common base, plus taking into account a, 
a huge uh, kind of parameters to have something very tailored to the store activity. So, uh, so this is an example of how we leverage data. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one I, I can explain also is what we call the data supermarket. <laughs> so the idea is, yeah, we, 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 we are building the data supermarket. So it's kind of a supermarket. So mm -hmm. you don't buy product in, in, in this supermarket. You have data. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to first define a common languages for all countries. So have the same definition. Okay, you need you you want data about I don't know assortment about product. You have uh, a, a uniform way of describing things, mm -hmm. and then we we put the data on the shelves. Okay, yeah. and then you have a, let's say a, a data viz uh, layer which enables any kind of employee to access to this data. Of course, yeah. you must be uh, granted uh, access for to yeah. the relevant data. But the the idea is to to democratize the data access to any kind of employee because we are convinced that bringing data to any people who need it is, uh, is game-changing and will help us be more efficient. Okay. And does that also mean that you become, I mean, if, if you have a data supermarket that all the, also the Unilevers and the Marses, that they can buy some, some intelligence from you and, and so that they can yeah, bring uh, their products? So the data supermarket so far is for internal use, but okay. we have, you're right, we have in parallel another activity which is called Carrefour Links, uh -huh. where uh, we are working with our suppliers to, to exchange data and to see in terms of, uh, I don't know, commercial performance, uh, etc., to share uh, data which are interesting for them so that we can improve our co common collaboration. Okay. And what is the big dream in data? Because, I mean, you're on this roadmap. Where do you want to be? Where, what's, what's the future vision in five years? If everything is in place, what is, will you be uh, able to do? I think uh, so far we, we, are, we, are, we have a clear strategy about having this global data lake, which is not totally built yet. Mm -hmm. So I think in five years, yeah, the, the big, uh, big target could be having the global data lake aggregating data from all countries. Mm -hmm. All the data, because so far that's the challenge. So sometimes we have data on supply chain, but not all countries. So we have, okay, we, now we have data on supply chain for all countries, but we are missing data, for instance, on merchandise. So ID would, would be, okay, we have everything for all geographies and, and we are making a, an extensive use of it, either for uh, training models or, I don't know, for analytics, for reporting, etc. And so that this, this data is used to to feed and improve our ways of working. Okay. Olivier, the second uh, tech strategy was to uh, help the business improve the commercial model. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit in more detail and, and give an example of what you're doing there? Yeah. So on this pillar, the idea is to use tech and data to basically improve ourselves, so being more relevant to the customer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are some uh, obvious examples such as uh, about pricing, if we are better in pricing, this will in increase, normally it should increase our sales. Mm -hmm. So for instance, on pricing, what we are working on is to be able to have fine-grained pricing. So before we, 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 we were, let's say, pricing our products based on a cluster of stores, okay, you, you group stores, which you consider, okay, quite similar in terms of uh, uh, customer population, then you define pricing for this cluster and so this this idea here is to say no now the next granularity is a store each store by itself so yeah. instead of having a pricing per, cl per 
cluster of stores, sorry, uh, it's per store. So with tech, we are able to go deeper this way. Otherwise, we, 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 we couldn't do this. Yeah. So Olivier, where would you say, I mean, changing business models, what we talk about, uh, commercial models, also the way that people shop is, uh, is changing uh, from traditional yeah. store only to, to online or to a hybrid model. How do you see that evolving? Um, I think in the past, the, the, so initially we had only customers visiting stores. Mm -hmm. Now, since the e-commerce launch, we had the two populations. Okay, customers were buying online and the traditional customer. What we see is that when we have omni-channel customers, mm -hmm. which is our target, uh, the, um, it says, uh, the expense is raising. Uh, we calculated uh, about 22% higher okay. Okay, than, uh, let's say, a non-omnichannel customer. So for us, it's, I would say it's also a target to, to provide a unified experience for them. So, okay, you are shopping. You want to shop in the store, you can, you can do it. Yeah. You want to shop online, you can do it. And it's as seamless as possible. So this, we, we, we are working on that, uh, both on our app uh, and uh, also on our e-commerce platform. Okay. Olivier, your third tech strategy was prepare for the future. So yeah. that means a lot of different things. Can you give a, a couple of examples there? Yeah, sure. So on the first subtopic, which is innovation, mm -hmm. uh, for instance, uh, we, we've been working on autonomous delivery. Oh, okay. So, uh, so here in Massy, there is a, an autonomous truck Mm -hmm. which is uh, operating since uh, I think it's been already eight or ten months. Uh -huh. And so the truck is loaded here with, uh, I, don't, I think, around uh, 50 orders. It's a truck where, where, with lockers on it. And then once it's loaded, it goes uh, in, the, in, in this area, 50, 15 kilometers uh, uh, around here yeah. uh, to Saclay campus to deliver the order. And I think he's, he, the truck is doing two or three round trips per day. And since we started, it, it has been full each time, every, every day. So, so this, has been, uh, <coughs> done, this work has been done by our global innovation team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's a good example. We, it's kind of an experimentation so far because uh, re legislation is still um, yeah, not totally, uh, yeah. Uh, I would say, finalized, but uh, it, it was important for us to, to work on this and to see if it's possible or, or not. And, so this one is working. We, we also, I can give an example of another innovation we, we, we tried, we implemented, uh, and so far, which is more in standby, we, we, some months ago, we started what we called uh, Carrefour Delivered in Your Fridge. So the idea was you buy online, uh, and uh, if you're equipped with a digital locker, uh, uh, yeah, you, the, 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 the delivery guy can open your door and, and, and put, put your and stuff, put in your your stuff <laughs> The, the, yeah, the fresh in your fridge and, wow. the, and the dry on your table. So we, we, we did the experimentation for three months mm -hmm. with, uh, I think, uh, 20 customers. So which it was interesting, but at the end, we, we, I think the, the outcome was it's quite complex to scale. Mm -hmm. uh, even if there are some categories, uh, senior people who were very happy with that. So, so that was also, even if we didn't uh, let's say put it at scale, yeah. it was also good uh, of uh, lesson learned. Yeah. So this is a big playground for innovation. If yeah, I yeah, and for innovation, as I said, we, we are testing a, a, a huge scope of things. Uh, currently, we are more working on generative AI also 
to see how we can leverage new use cases. Yeah. Uh, so the first one was uh, the so-called Opla. It's a chatbot we, mm -hmm. we build uh, on, uh, with uh, um, ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and so we train specifically uh, yeah. uh, the, the ChatGPT to answer, to retail question and to to e-commerce question yeah. for, for, for now, customers. Olivier, you, you just returned yesterday from, from, uh, from Silicon Valley, from San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. So you have a glimpse in the future of what Gen AI is going to do. Where do you see the opportunities in, in the retail business? Honestly, I think there will be Gen AI everywhere. Mm -hmm. From what I saw um, yeah, um, last week, our partners are working very strongly uh, to implement Generai in all their domain. So it can be uh, cyber, it can be operations, it can be uh, yeah, any kind of domain. And in our case, I think it will be the same, meaning we can, we can, we are also, so we did some things on uh, e-commerce, we are working on others on customer, customer care, customer service. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are, um, a huge scope which can be uh, yeah, considered uh, when the technology is mature enough. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't see any domain where I could say, okay, for this domain it won't be possible. We won't be able to do anything. Good, Olivier. Your fourth uh, strategy pillar is is uh, modern and efficient technology. Yeah. What does that mean? That means that to build. Uh, and to deliver all the product solution which uh, let's say are enforcing our first three pillars we need solid building blocks uh, and so these building blocks uh, are then used to lever to build this global solution the obvious the obvious one is the cloud mm -hmm. okay so we we are heavily uh, involved in uh, public cloud so this our strategy is to go for public cloud okay uh, so we have uh, we are working on with different cloud providers with uh, one main cloud provider which is Google mm -hmm. uh, and we are leveraging the most as we can uh, all the services which are provided by our partners mm -hmm. um, to to illustrate this so we we have a move to cloud program which we started two three years ago mm -hmm. um, with the ambition to be hundred percent cloud in by end of twenty twenty six. In 2026 already? Yeah, okay. so we are already at, uh, I think we will end this year at uh, 72%. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still in progress for quite some time, but okay. uh, we are progressing uh, at a good pace. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because you said by, by default, you end up with multi-cloud and you will have multiple cloud providers and then you need to integrate that and work with that. And, and today you're still in a hybrid situation. So the, and you're an, uh, an architect, an IT mm. architect for yeah. when, you, when, uh, when you start that. So the architecture of that is, 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 is not necessarily simple, right? I mean, architecting the, the, the infrastructure now with multiple cloud providers, how do you look at that? So in our case, I would say we, we have one preferred cloud provider, which is Google, and we, we are using also uh, my, the Microsoft Azure. Mm -hmm. um, we have a strong focus with Google. Mm -hmm. uh, because um, having multi multiple cloud is quite a challenge. Uh, clearly, uh, um, you need if you if you operate on various clouds, you need 
it's, the skills are different, for instance, okay. You are a top expert on GCP, okay. You, even if things are quite similar, it's not totally the same. So, no. so in terms of skill, it's more complex to have a, to have a, let's say, a, 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 some si- yeah, yeah, multiple providers. Uh, even if, uh, yeah, from a, um, a vendor locking point of view, it's better to have two. So, so it's a balance. But uh, in our case, we, we, we rely, we, we still rely strongly on, on GCP part mm-hmm. yeah, for, for our transactional workload and also for the data part. Okay. Olivier, the fifth uh, tech pillar is um, the way of working. Yeah. What does that mean? So, yeah, we, we, the last pillar is improve our ways of working, meaning we, we have seen that switching from a, a collaboration model where tech is a supplier from the business is not efficient. And we have, we have been uh, working in different modes, for instance, on e-commerce in France. We, we, we've built what we call a digital factory mm-hmm. in e-commerce, which uh, showed great results in the past year. It was, uh, yeah, it started quite a long time ago. Uh, I was uh, at that time still working for the French IT teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, our approach in, inside a digital factory, we call it four in a box. We didn't invent this. It's, uh, it's Walmart who, who, had the, <laughs> who had also this, this approach. And we met them and we found this approach quite uh, yeah, very impressive and great. So four in a box, meaning we bring together four populations to work on a specific topic. So, so for instance, on e-commerce, so we have the fourth team is the business team. Mm-hmm. We, we, which is in charge of explaining, okay, what is my issue, my problem, my need. Mm-hmm. Then we have a product team, which is in charge of designing the product, which will fulfill the needs of the business. Mm-hmm. Then we have the tech and data team, which are, let's say, in charge of make it, uh, building the thing, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then the UX okay. UI team. So, and the UX UI team is in charge of building the ex- experience. It can be the internal experience in case the digital factory is building internal product, or it can be the customer experience. Yeah. In case, uh, for, for instance, for e-commerce, okay, say how, how is uh, the experience for, for the customers in terms of navigation, of using the app or the mobile, the website, etc. So, and this approach, you combine all these four populations in the same place, is way more efficient and way more uh, relevant in terms of outcome. Okay. And so we are... Um, deploying this at scale now. So as I said, we, we, we've, we've had the digital factory for e-commerce operating in France for almost seven years. And now we are building digital factories for merchandise, supply chain, HR, finance, uh, for, uh, e- with a European scope currently. But uh, yeah, the idea is to deploy this at scale. Olivier, Carrefour, huge organization, more as 330,000 people. Can you give us an idea of how big IT is yeah. and, and how it is organized? What parts are central, local? What's the, yeah. the operating model? So, so far, we, we have IT teams in all our geographies. Mm-hmm. So in the eight countries where we operate directly, there is an IT team with a CIO. Yeah. And we are building synergies uh, across countries. We are bridging teams. Roughly on, uh, for all these countries, we have uh, between three and 4,000 people. Yep. Uh, and as I said, uh, we are switching from a situation where 
some years ago, each country was totally autonomous to a more uh, coordinated uh, and uh, with more synergies organization. Yeah. That's a big, I mean, that's a big change I can imagine. So, yeah. uh, so what's the plan for that? What's the approach? How do you reorganize a huge team uh, like that, which was organized by country to be organized more by products and, and, and services? So we, we are definitely not breaking everything and say, okay, we, we start from scratch, we do it gradually. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, we deploy the digital factories on, on a, first on a limited scope of country, for instance, uh, uh, e-commerce, merchandise, supply. So their current scope is uh, France and Spain, okay, with, let's say, if possible, initiatives uh, expanding to other European countries. Why not? But the synergies are focused on France and Spain so far for all the digital factories. Okay. LATAM is kept aside for now because their challenges, for instance, Brazil last year was very focused, uh, focused on the integration of Grupo Big, which was a former Walmart activities in Brazil, which we bought two years ago. Yep. So the focus was on integrating all these activities and merging two landscape into one. So, so that's why uh, LATAM is not in, in the scope yet. And uh, yeah, and we do it step by step. So by, for instance, bringing global products mm -hmm. gradually, so that uh, uh, yeah, we we switch from a, a, an ecosystem where you have eight systems doing the same thing to uh, yeah. one system shared between uh, between all countries. So that's the approach. I can imagine. I mean, Carrefour has been around for many many decades already. So, um, so you're changing the operating model, uh, making it less country organized, more uh, products and services organized, um, making sure that you're future-proof, going with the with the with the goal to go 100% public cloud. Um, so that means that I can imagine that you also need to clean up a lot of legacy systems yeah. and so on, and and re-platform some of that. Tell me a little bit about how you do that in, in, a, in, a, in an old, elder company, how you make sure that you keep up to date and, and, and are not buried under the, uh -huh. under the legacy. Yeah, you're right. I think it's uh, one of our most complex challenge. Um, uh, we do it, uh, I would say, it, it depends on of the topic. Of the topic. Uh, when we have big monoliths, uh, we try to we try to modernize. We, we are not big fans of let's say uh, launching uh, six uh, I don't know six year or more initiatives. So, uh, for instance, in France, we we have an obsolete system managing the supply chain. The idea is more to to decommission it step by step. So take pieces, okay, pieces by pieces from a specific domain. Okay, the, the system was managing these kind of features. We isolate it. We 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 bring something new so we, we can so that we can dismantle this part and then we we do it this way. Yep. Um, but the situation is very different from one country to another. There are some some countries which uh, for in which the uh, landscape is almost up to date, which uh, they have been running <coughs> some moder significant modernization programs. Some others are still. Uh, have still challenges, and so for this one, when we see, also what what the, the let's say one goal of my team is to to identify the I would say uh, shared concern, and when we say okay, there is a topic in this country related to I don't know store back office, 
same for this one, same for this one. So when it when when it happens, we try to let's say to merge all these things and to bring a global analysis and a global strategy to define a global strategy to say okay, we we have considered all what your what are your needs. We we've, we've screened the market, and so now we're able to say okay, the best strategy for us Carrefour is this one and this one, and then we deploy it in all the geography. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your role. I mean, in, you have here a CIO, you have a CTO, maybe a CDO. Yeah. How, is, how is that organized? Now, and, and what is the focus of a global CTO here in Carrefour? So my focus is uh, I'm not building solution. Okay? I'm here to define the tech strategy. Okay. Uh, so that means that I'm here to help countries uh, make the right decision, the big ones, mm -hmm. uh, taking into account, for instance, what can exist in other geographies, to, if we can leverage this, if we, if we need to bring up a new initiative. So yeah, uh, sometimes we call ourselves as servant leader. Mm -hmm. So idea is not to, yeah, we, we, we won't build solution. We, we are here to, to ensure that the global approach is set. Mm -hmm. uh, we help them. Uh, and uh, because we are, I think we are the only team which has a global view. Okay, each country is very focused on its yeah. activity. So basically, uh, yeah, Romania is not very aware of what's happening in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, France is not very aware of what's happening in Brazil, etc., etc. So our approach is also to bringing to bring uh, together all this knowledge and to see okay what can be relevant. Okay, and so. That means that you're focused on setting standards, on yeah. defining architecture, on defining cloud strategy, platform strategy. So you have the best job in, in, in the business, no? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be quite complex because um, we have eight countries, but the size of each country is very different. Okay, We have three big countries, France, Spain and Brazil, okay. with a huge size in terms of business, in terms of... FTEs, etc., yep. and and we have five other countries which are way smaller. So one of the challenges is also to to design solution which will be fit for everyone, mm -hmm. and that's uh, sometimes it's not so easy because uh, in some countries we we'll have a very, for instance, e-commerce in France we have a in terms of for instance preparing the orders. We have five ways of doing it. We can do it in store, we can do it in, in warehouses, we can do it in dark store, we can do it in warehouses with robots, we can do it in mechanized warehouse. So, so if you build something for France and then you apply it, for instance, in Belgium, where you, we only prepare e-commerce orders in stores, you see, it's kind of overkill. So yeah. you, you need to, to keep this in mind and to, to be aware of, okay, is this a fit for everyone? Yeah. Okay, Olivier, let's let's uh, dive one level deeper and let's go to the infrastructure and the connectivity level of, of things. I mean, you run thousands of different uh, shops all around the world, different continents, and so on and so on. How do you make sure that you keep up to date, also connectivity-wise, uh, and, and making sure that, especially with exploding data volumes and so on, that you're uh, up to date there? Yeah. So this, you're right. This is one of the probably one of the most complex challenge because uh, as you said we we are more and more deploying digital in the stores mm -hmm. so we need to have connectivity in the stores uh, and uh, it's quite complex because you can't have a let's say high uh, high performance connectivity between the stores so you 
you have to be connected, but it's a balance. In the store, you need uh, yeah, to be very fast, and then you need to have the stores connected, but you can't, basically what you can't do is put systems which are crucial for the store outside of it. Because if you have a network issue, and this is happening every day, mm -hmm. if the system is no more available, you, that means that the store is closing, and th this can't happen. Yeah. So that means that in terms of... Um, engineering and uh, ways of designing things, it's way more complex. So for instance, for some systems, we need to be able to work in offline mode, for instance, the POST system, okay? When you, when you, our system, internal POST system, which we call smart POST, is designed to work in offline mode, meaning, okay, the store is disconnected from the rest of the world yeah. and uh, we still can operate. Okay, it's more complex if you, pay with credit card, etc. because we, we have some limits. Okay, mm -hmm. we can't validate uh, by default without any backend validation. But so, so yeah, definitely having in-store connectivity is important. And also what's happening now is, so far, I would say the connectivity was, uh, we didn't have a big, uh, let's say a big need in terms of bandwidth. Uh, because yes, everything was happening in the store and we had, let's say more, let's say transaction, uh, reports to, to come back to the central part. Uh, and the new challenge we have now is as we are deploying, uh, let's say, uh, for instance, computer vision-based use cases in the store, uh, we will probably need to, let's say, to, um, to improve our local, uh, let's say, power, processing power in the store. Meaning, just give you two examples. <coughs> We've built some algorithm to, to reduce shrinkage on self-checkout system. So it's a camera which is looking at what the customer is scanning and to detect if the customer is scanning all the product. Okay. So meaning we have a camera, so we have a video which is in the store. We can't send back the video for processing in, in the cloud because uh, it would be too, yeah, too, too, too big. Uh, another example, we have put some camera, static camera in the aisles to detect missing products when uh, there are out of the shelf uh, mm -hmm. products so, so that we can uh, uh, put them, uh, put the product back on the aisles. Yeah. Uh, same thing, it's picture, so it's more volume than uh, simply text, etc. Yeah. So for this, we need to, uh, we are considering uh, how can we deploy so, some kind of um, processing power yep. locally so that we can process this data locally and only send back probably the result of this processing to the, to the central part. So, so having said that, you see that uh, connectivity is key. You need the challenge is how can I process data locally? How can I process and keep the, the store up and running in offline mode? Uh, and, but in any way, in any case, being connected to, to the central part. Especially with, I mean, with a 100% cloud strategy, the connectivity and the network is going to be yeah. more important than ever. Yeah, and and you can't uh, imagine that, okay, we'll put everything in the cloud mm -hmm. and nothing in the store. In fact, when you look in the details, it's, it's impossible. Yeah, okay. Last thing I wanted to touch upon is, um, uh, is security. I mean, you have huge volume of data uh, and... and, and all these different stores, hundreds of thousands of people, so security must be quite a thing here as well. So, yeah. so where, where are you in that? What's, what's your, 
your view on how to, uh, on, on how you make sure that you keep Carrefour as secure as possible? Um, so on that topic, we have different um, answers. Mm -hmm. First, we have some dedicated building blocks, okay, to which are implemented in all our geographies. So, for instance, uh, we have uh, we have chosen a data encryption solution, mm -hmm. so for for sensitive data, so which we plug on all our critical systems. And this solution is deployed in all our geographies. Mm -hmm. So we have a global team which is uh, helping, providing support to the local team to implement it. Uh, for instance, on the, our web uh, websites, uh, we are using a web application firewall from a vendor mm -hmm. to protect us from any kind of, of attack, which can be DDoS or, I don't know, brute force, any yeah. kind of or bot. Uh, so, which is uh, so, these solutions are also very helpful, and also the last point I would mention is um, regarding attack detection. So, we have a global team, which is uh, our global security operation center, which is permanently having a look at what's happening yeah. across all our system, and they're able to detect any kind of intrusion and to see okay, something uh, strange is happening here, here, so and they're able to notify the teams in, in, any, in all our countries so, so that we can uh, uh, remediate and, uh, and uh, fix. But I, I can imagine that your security budget, like in most other companies, has grown um, significantly over the last five, yeah, five years or so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it has doubled or three. It, was, it has already been uh, important because, yeah, for a retailer, it's, uh, it's impossible to... Yeah. We, we do not want to be at the front of the newspaper for saying, okay, Carrefour has been attacked and there is a big issue. So yeah, yeah we, we have strong investments. Uh, I think having uh, moving to the cloud is also uh, providing a benefit, which when you have everything in the cloud, it's way, bet it's way easier. It's, it's, it's still complex, but it's yep. easier to, to track what's happening and to detect, okay, this system is maybe uh, wrongly configured and is potentially opening some some uh, f uh, doors for an attack. So we can. Yeah. So with on-prem, it's way more complex to say, okay, th there is an issue here or a vulnerability here we have to fix. Mm -hmm. So cloud is also providing these such kind of benefits. Okay. Olivier, let's talk a little bit more about your role. You already described a little bit what the, what the global CTO um, does. Um, let's talk a little bit about your management style. I mean, tell us a little bit about your team and how that is organized and, and, and how do you manage your team? What's, and can you maybe give an example of, of your management style? Uh, so my team is composed about of approximately 15 people, okay? How we are organized quite simple. It's per domain, okay? Mm -hmm. So we have uh, uh, some people managing the e-commerce and the digital part, some others on the marketing, some others on the supply chain and merchandise, the cloud, finance, HR. So it's per domain so that we have, a, I think it's easier. So per domain you have a, to have the, the, the full view of what is the situation in each country mm -hmm. and also to be relevant because you can deep dive a bit more in the domain and to understand the way way closer because I, I often say we don't do tech for tech okay we do it for business reasons so it's important to understand the business uh, and knowing the business to, okay to be able to analyze okay what are what is our maturity what is uh, how is how is our landscape 
do we need to improve it uh, and to evaluate vendor solution. Then on my management style, I would say I'm more, I'm more than a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, building a team, ensuring the team is at the right level to provide uh, good outcomes than a, a manager bringing, I don't know, giving top-down uh, uh, instructions. Uh, so uh, I always prefer to, to give sense to the team, to tell them, okay, we do this, we have to do this because of that, 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 and this is the outcome. And also to let them work in autonomy. Uh, uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not a big fan of uh, micromanagement. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that would be, uh, if I could summarize, that would be my style. Okay. Now, you're not only a, a manager, but also a leader, of course, and you need to collaborate with, with the CIO and the CIO, the global CIO and the CIOs yeah. of the different countries and so on. And so I, you need to collaborate closely with them and make sure yeah. that they follow you in your leadership around architecture and standards and so on and so on. So, so how would you describe your leadership style? And maybe a way to, to, uh, to ask the question is, what do you think that people will say about you and your leadership style when you're not around? Um, I think they would say that uh, I've, I've always tried and achieved to help them. Mm -hmm. So I think the CIOs have tons of concerns, clearly. So they have to manage the day-to-day -day operation, to think for the future, etc. So, so what I'm trying to, to do is to to help them on both topics. So challenge them on, okay, what's the next plan for, I don't know, for your supply chain, your warehouse management system, for your digital marketing campaigns, etc. But also be here for the for the day-to-day -day issues or helping them solve a, a topic uh, so that it, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, helping them on the day-to-day. -day. And having this, this balance, build a strong relationship, okay? We are not uh, simply, uh, thinking at the future uh, or only uh, debugging things, I would say. It's a, it's a good mix. And so that, that's, for me, that is building a strong relationship where they, they know that they can rely on me either for, let's say, preparing the next steps or managing the day-to-day -day operation. Okay. Now, Olivier, you uh, shared with us your um, MBTI profile. Yeah. And you're an ISFJ. Uh, a defender in ISFJ is someone tends to be introverted, observant, uh, feeling and judging personality traits. And these are people tend to be warm, unassuming in their own steady way. They're efficient, responsible, and they give careful attention to practical details yeah. in their daily life. So I'm going to give you five typical strengths of, uh, of, of, uh, of a defender. And then you tell me where do you recognize yourself the best. So the strengths of an ISFJ is that they are supportive, reliable, patient, imaginative and observant, enthusiastic, loyal and hardworking, and they have very good practical skills. Does that uh, describe yeah, your... I think uh, it's, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm like this. Yeah, uh, for instance, the last one, practical skills, it's important for me to, to keep close to the technology because tech is evolving very... Fast. Okay, there are generative AI is, a, is now a topic. It wasn't a topic uh, one year ago. So yeah, uh, it's important for me to to be relevant about technology. If you want to to define strategy about technology, 
and all the other uh, characteristics you mentioned, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, describing me quite well. So I'm quite supportive. Uh, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, almost. I, I couldn't say this one. No, I think uh, almost uh, all of them uh, are quite. Uh, yeah, are quite describing me uh, very well. Very good. Now nobody's perfect. <laughs> Everybody has his good side and his and his. Let's say development areas. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's test that out as well. So. Typical weaknesses or potential weaknesses of people with your personality type is that they can be humble, can be shy, that they can take things too personal, they can repress their feelings, overload themselves with work, sometimes reluctant to change or too altruistic. And you can't be reluctant to change, I can imagine. And, no. and, and so what are the things that stand out? You say, yeah, I maybe had that, but where did you develop yourself? Uh, what was your professional development that you would like maybe to share with us? Mm. Yeah, regarding what you said, I think, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, you mentioned humble. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know if it's a default, honestly, but uh, yeah, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to showcase everything I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I prefer to have a, to bring results and to, to be appreciated by my colleagues and the people I'm working with. So, so yeah, but, um, Olivier, one of the things you uh, mentioned about yourself is that you're very practical. I understand that in your personal life and your personal passions, you also like to be uh, working with your hands and be yeah. very practical. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. so I would say I spend uh, five days of the week uh, behind my computer doing, uh, I would say, things which are not very manual, uh -huh. in fact. And yeah, one of my hobbies is, uh, uh, is woodworking. So... Uh, in fact, I, I I love to do yeah to do things with my hands to build. I would say it's kind kind of the kind of the same as I was saying when I I like to build things. Mm -hmm. So either during work and also out of work. So yeah, woodworking. I've been building furniture. So, yeah, I think uh, using my hand to construct to build things is important. And also, I love sports. So sport is also. Uh, a good way to uh, let's say to empty your head full of uh, topics, concerns. Uh, yep. After one, and full load week. your batter batteries for the, yeah, the next. Yeah, week exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you shared with us uh, as well, Olivier, that you have two daughters. Yeah, one is studying in California at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I understand. So, what is the what are the values that the core values that you live by and that you have uh, passed on to your uh, to your daughters? Mm. I think uh, one of the important ones is regarding uh, its uh, career is uh, uh, the importance of importance of work. Okay, uh, we, my wife and me, we have let's say taught them to that work is something. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, structuring your life. So it's important. What I I'm telling them is. Uh, you have to take the lead on how you want your life mm -hmm. to be. So, for instance, you were mentioning, yeah, one of my daughters is currently studying in, in the U.S., so she decided this uh, almost one year ago, and so we were very proud of her, so that she, she applied and then she was uh, accepted. And so I think that's a good example of, okay, uh, take all the opportunities uh, and make what's... What, uh, the most possible to, to leave these opportunities you want to, to leave. Okay. 
But if you do have a, a personal mantra, a saying that helps you to make decisions uh, that comes back? Uh, I wouldn't say I have, a, let's say, one mantra. So there are some principles I have in mind. So, uh, for instance, if, if something can be done now, let's uh, do it now, not uh, postpone it. And also, uh, I'm a kind of guy who, when you, who likes when, to say when you work on something, you do it properly or you don't do it, okay? It's, uh, for me, it's important to... I don't like things which are, let's say, partially done. Okay, so, so uh, I, I like uh, things uh, yeah, which are well done. Not, I'm not kind of a perfectionist, but uh, if you do something, you do it uh, the right way or you don't do it. Okay. In your career, were there people that really influenced you, that were like mentors to you or important coaches or people that you look up to that... That, that you learned something from? Could you give an example? No, I won't tell you that I'm a big fan of uh, Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. So I think I, I'm picking things. Uh, I don't have any yeah, people who, for, for who I can say, yes, this is the guy I want to, to, be, uh, to be like. Uh, but yeah, I'm more let's say, picking things, feedbacks from, from all the people I've met or, for, or I saw. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, this is how I... I build my, I would say, my, my convictions and so how I'm working in, the, okay. in my job. A more personal question, maybe. What would you say is, is one of the best things that has ever happened to you in your personal life or in your professional life? Mm, I think in professional, uh, maybe uh, the answer will be for both cases. As I, as I was saying, I'm, I'm very happy to work in tech. And I think the, the trigger was definitely the day I got my first computer. Okay. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but uh, yeah. I remember having this and uh, the months later, my school results decreasing <laughs> impressively. <laughs> but my coding skills improving. So yeah, yeah. And it's, I think I'm, I'm very happy to... I don't think it's the case for everyone. I'm very happy to have a passion and to be able to to live off my passion. Yeah. But, um, sometimes you have a job and it's only, uh, yeah. So technology is really your passion, eh? Yeah, 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 uh, clearly, yeah. And I'm happy to wake up the, the morning to, 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 and to work in technology. And on the personal side, what was the best thing that you would say happened to, uh, to you there? Ah, oh, I would say it's kind of classical, but the birth of my two daughters was, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, your life is changing when you, when you get, uh, when, you, when you get children's. So, Olivier, you, you made quite a career. You're a technology passionist and you work here in a great organization and you've uh, made um, uh, uh, a very interesting career and have uh, developed many successes. But we also, all of us, we have our failures and we learn from our failures. So would you care to share maybe what was one of your most brilliant failures in your career and what you learned from it? Yeah, um, I think the, the most brilliant one was at Carrefour when we tried some years ago already to build our own private cloud. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I was convinced at that time, I was not uh, the only one, but uh, I was convinced that we should have a mixed approach be between public cloud and private cloud. So we decided to go for that. We invested a lot, we invested a lot and um, at the end, we weren't able to, to deliver something which was, uh, let's say, complete enough, okay? So we thought, yeah, we thought we were, I think, pa patient, tech patient, 
was the reason of the failure. Okay, we considered, okay, we will do it. We are a tech company. In fact, we are not a tech company. <laughs> there are some tech companies, but no. uh, Carrefour is more a digital retail company. And so, so we failed. Uh, so we, we, yeah, we, we get rid uh, of all of these and then we switch to, to public cloud. Yeah. And yeah, it, I think it took us some, some months to, yeah, to review our minds, but uh, it was necessary and uh, helpful. Our last question for uh, today, Olivier, is these interviews are being watched by ambitious young people that follow, want to follow in your footsteps. What's the advice that you would give to um, these uh, younger people? Um, I think um, I, would, I would say two, two important points. So technology is a fantastic playground to build um, any kind of systems for any kind of domains. Uh, but uh, keep in mind that uh, at the end, we are not building systems for tech purpose. We are building systems for business users. And so if you forget this, you will lose yourself. So don't build, don't use tech for tech. Okay, you can do some kind of engineering dreams, etc. But it's useless. So always consider tech uh, in the, for, for, for the business at the end. Uh, and also my second advice would be tech is changing yeah, in a, in a, with a speed which is uh, very important. For instance, I think in uh, 1998, on the technology I was working on in my company, I was uh, the most skilled in all France. I think 10 years later, this technology was totally obsolete, totally obsolete, no more used. And so, meaning you have to always follow how the technology is evolving to ensure, okay, what does it bring? For instance, okay, cloud is coming. What does it change to the, to the previous approach with on-prem? Okay, what, why do we do cloud? Okay, we do not do cloud because it's cool. Okay, it's because it's providing scalability, it's, it's faster, etc. So. So always keep connected to how the technology is evolving. So read books, look at uh, conferences, attend conferences, uh, listen to podcasts, etc. But it's very important to to stay connected because yeah, it's uh, it's evolving uh, very fast. Okay. So Olivier, thank you so much for your time and your hospitality here in Marseille. And as a, as a small uh, thank you, I would like to gift you our CRNet cookbook full of recipes for digital success. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.